Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Sheen Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this edition of Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Shane Demon. I'm Father Travis Crowdy. And it's good to be with you in person here in Sioux City. Yes, still hanging out. Still hanging out. Two episodes at a time. <laughs> I think at one point, Father Shane, when we first started this, you know, years ago now, uh-huh. we've been doing this a long time, uh, you kind of had the one, like, should we like kind of fake, fake them out, like act as if, you know, when this is released in a couple weeks that we're in the future in a couple of weeks. No, we kind of gave up on and that. We gave up on that, but it's yeah. okay because you know, people need to know that. that well, how the sausage is made. How, we always say that, <laughs> but um, it's good. It's good to know that we're, that we're together, that we're we doing are. this and that we're excited to it keep. It is a lot easier in person. It's much easier. And seeing each other on a screen. Um, yeah. The banter just flows a little more easily. I don't know what the, th- yes. the listeners think, but <laughs> I don't know. I always feel more comfortable here in person. Um, yeah, I, it is good to be back in person, and we're doing this at a time, not only at the start of the Advent season, but, uh, Father, have you seen the new Chosen episodes yet that just came out in the theaters? No, and I will I will admit that I was excited when I saw the first season. Yeah. And like half the second season, we had a, po- we had a podcast episode on it. Then I just kind of dropped the ball. As you know, as we've talked in the past, I'm a little flighty <laughs> with my uh, interests. Yes. And I just kind of jump from one thing to the next. It's a little hard to commit. So I uh, I actually haven't been kind of keeping up with well, the Chosen. Well, you should. Much. I know I should. You I really should. This is a should. good. This is a good reminder. You should. I think you'll like how Season 2 ends. And I was really impressed with Season 3. For any of our listeners who are not aware, the Chosen series created by Dallas Jenkins is set to be a seven-season um, series that really traces those chosen by our Lord, those men and women who are a part of his chosen disciples who walk with him throughout his journey. And it's not meant to be an exact uh, transcript of the Gospels, but it, it does it bases itself on the Gospels to see what is the background and, and you know how can we imaginatively enter into how Jesus would have called these chosen disciples? How did they come live with him? How did they experience his teaching as the Gospels unfolded? And as season three just kicked off, um, the chosen producers made the decision to release the first two episodes back to back in theaters nationwide, uh, just right prior to the weekend prior to Thanksgiving. And I had a chance to go with some priests and a bunch of seminarians from the seminary. Wow! And we got tickets, um, and it was great. Um, I, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was fun seeing it on the big screen. Yeah, um, and they just do a great job. I actually also came out of there in a feeling a bit stupid, in a, in a very good way, because you can see these writers they're drawing things out from scripture, and they're imaginatively you know taking some liberty to see what to see what would be a potential backstory yeah. to how these apostles and disciples lived, how did they interact with one another, how did they receive Jesus and be received by him. But they're they're drawing things out that you know. Yeah, when you sit and think about it, like, oh, gee, I really never noticed that. Huh. Uh, yes, it probably you know makes sense that it, it folded perhaps that way based on these relationships that we know of, and oh, this person is mentioned in scripture down the road, so it makes sense that if they're going to show up at this critical junction down the road in salvation history, 
At some point, they had to be introduced to our Lord. Huh. At some point, they started relationships with the other disciples to get incorporated into the group of believers. So, you know, it, it's just fun. It's fun watching um, another person's creative interpretation of the scriptures and how this all, all unfolded. Father Jim Mason of Sioux Falls, the former rector of Kenrick, he used to say that the chosen really is the fruit of someone's lexio. Yeah. Someone sat down as a group of writers and they prayed with the scriptures and and in imaginatively understanding how these relationships started to develop, being chosen by our Lord and walking with him, uh, everything that they're producing and, and writing into the script and, and mm. portraying and really good acting, um, it really is the fruit of someone's prayer. Yeah. Um, this is it, not going to be a podcast just about the, no, it's the chosen, but I'm no, excited it, to say this really quickly. I have people in my life who get really upset about, so I have this kind of cool crucifix on my wall that's a Christus Rex, mm-hmm. Jesus with priestly vestments on and a crown, right? Right. Um, just so everybody knows, Jesus was not wearing like kind of like 12th century like gothic vestments when he died on the cross, right? Right. But it's an artistic representation of the reality that was present, right? That Jesus mm-hmm. is like, he's the victim, he's the priest, he's the altar of sacrifice, all wrapped up in the cross, Right. So just the art, the artistic representation of the Gospels and of the life of Christ and the mysteries of Christ's life mm-hmm. for centuries, pretty much since the beginning, right? There's been an artistic representation that's not trying to be a, a like a like a photorealism mm-hmm. of the thing, right? So I have I have people in my life who get so upset when like art, like a Caravaggio, it's like these people are dressed in like Renaissance attire, but it's trying to like show something from the gospels like well that's stupid that's not what they wore it's like that's not the point <laughs> like it's drawing you deeper right what what ultra realists are you hanging out well, with because <laughs> so i think there's this idea of like well because of like kind of a historical criticism of the past like we need to understand what actually was happening mm-hmm. there's this move away from like an artistic kind of reflection on it right mm-hmm. but that's exactly what artists have done that's mm-hmm. exactly what iconographers have done that's what poets have done and and novelists have done for centuries. Mm-hmm. And now this is just a different medium. I said that before in different podcasts, but just to reiterate that for our <laughs> listeners, because there's there's a lot of angst out there, and I feel it for a few different people where it's like, it's like Jesus wasn't a white Italian, so why do they paint him like that? Well, he wasn't a German, so why do they make him look like that, right? He was, and then it gets, you know, it's like, well, what, what did he look like? What was this first century Palestinian Jew? Well, mm-hmm. we got to figure it out, you mm-hmm. know? So they do all these things online to try to figure out what Jesus' face looks like. Right. Anyways, yeah, but you're right. This is the entire chosen series. However, it, however it ends and however it's portrayed, it is an artistic expression of one director and his writing team's, you know, presentation of of their prayer and their reading of the scriptures. Yeah, it, it's an artistic interpretation, um, but I think it, it draws a lot of of deeper reflection and prayer for the listener or for the audience members who are watching this, and and it's portrayed very you know well. With a with a modern sensibility towards film. Anyways, um, moving on. Anyways, moving you get on. Like this two little a, vignette podcast sometimes where it's like whatever we're just chatting about gets going. Basically, is half the podcast, and you get like another little snippet. Well, moving on, another little snippet. Snippet two here. Oops. Um, you know, Father, um, something came to mind recently as I was having some conversations with some people about some of the tensions that they've experienced. I, I came across two different families who had major fights among family members before they actually got into Thanksgiving. Mm. And the fights were so volatile 
that the families like actually didn't see each other for Thanksgiving. They canceled their travel plans. Um, you know, praise God that hasn't ever really been experienced in my family. I, I don't know what it's like to live with that tension going into the holidays. I don't think we've ever canceled a, a holiday gathering just because of family, family tension. But I, I was kind of working with uh, two families recently who experienced this. And, and my heart just kind of broke for them because obviously they're, they're wanting to kind of live in peace and harmony. And, you know, they, you don't always ask for this sort of tension, especially if you're someone who's trying to live in the truth and you're trying to live in charity and maybe you're just being misrepresented uh, or misinterpreted. But it's been coming to mind that, you know, that was a form of tension for them for Thanksgiving. And now four weeks later, we have to gear up for Christmas. And the yeah. question becomes for this, these two families and so many other families, will there be reconciliation? Will there be healing? And uh, we spoke in our last episode about uh, meeting Christ in the present moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, perhaps we could just specify that in our discussion today in this episode about... Um, does Advent become a true reconciliation of persons? Um, as Jesus comes and he's born among us to be our Savior, to seek to reconcile the human race to God the Father in his gift of salvation, that whole trajectory of reconciliation also has to happen among all of us. Mm. You know, and it doesn't make any sense to sing Christmas carols about you know, peace on earth you know, to all of goodwill if we're also not going to be a people who's really striving for reconciliation and, and forgiveness among, uh, among others. Mm. Does that kind of make sense? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I mean, ring true in your experience. Think, <clears throat> yeah. Family tension that rings true, but then especially this awkward moment right now in between Thanksgiving and Christmas where, yeah, that's the question. Are we going to have a big blow up fight? Are we going to cancel it? Or are we just going to like passively act like we're all happy for like five hours and then go our own way. Mm-hmm. Right. And then everybody just leaves even more kind of tense than before. Nothing's actually fixed. Um, And I noticed this too, especially now when families live further apart, um, actually like geographically or sometimes just this distance that comes with culturally. Yeah. Culturally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just like with social media, with just kind of staying in your house and watching TV all the time. Like, yeah, we just don't spend as much time. Uh, together as perhaps people did in the past because mm-hmm. of necessity of where they lived. Um, there's a distance and that there's something in us that says, I need to come back to be with my family. Like, mm-hmm. Otherwise people just would stop doing this. Mm-hmm. Like Thanksgiving is just a kind of an arbitrary, like civil holiday that celebrates kind of freedom and friendship and goodwill, you know? Um, but even you can feel it like the friends giving thing. It's like, what's well, a lot more fun to just like have a big dinner with my friends mm-hmm. than to go back with these family members that like, I have lots of history with, Mm -hmm. you know? So the temptation becomes so often just to ignore and try to cover up, try to mask, try to just kind of grin and bear it through the situation. Mm -hmm. Um, And it doesn't seem like very often forgiveness is maybe desired. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe like a resolution is desired, but mutual forgiveness is hard. Yeah. Very hard. Yes. And to recognize that we've both hurt each other, Mm -hmm. whoever, Hurt each other first, right? Whoever started the domino effect. You like, started it. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I, you know, just I'll say this, and I'm curious to hear what else you have to say, but I've just noticed, too, when we go back with our family members, especially our siblings, um, nobody has really, unless you've kind of lived with uh, very close to a sibling or to your parents, nobody's really lived life so intentionally, like, since high school. Like, that's the last time 
I spent like every single day with my, my brothers. Mm -hmm. Right. So I just felt, I felt a temptation myself and I've seen this in some friends and their own families as well. That when you come back, the kind of resting disposition is when you spent every single day together, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody's matured and grown up and like lived their own life in these different ways. But behind it is the story of it's like you 20 years ago, you know, or like <laughs> however many years ago, right. you did this to me, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, it's almost like you keep that in your, in your like, you know, I don't know. I was going to say tool belt, but like, uh, you kind of like your, your cache of arrows, you know, that you can, you know, your quiver to pull out. It's like, I'm just gonna keep that back there just in case, because mm -hmm. I remember when you did this, you know, and there's all of that hurt kind of like comes up to the surface then. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's good to just recognize that and actually have a real desire for forgiveness. Yeah. And you just said earlier that forgiveness hurts, you know, it can be painful. It, it, and it does, um, you know, Father Mike Schmitz has given some talks on what mercy actually costs us, and it has to cost you something. Look at Jesus' supreme witness of forgiveness on the, on the cross. It hurts. It actually costs you something. But that's actually where it finds its uh, true meaning, its depth, and its beauty. What's coming to mind is um, a phrase from C.S. Lewis in, his, um, in one of his essays. It was actually a talk he gave. He spoke about how we often you know, talk and pray about being forgiven. But what we're asking God is usually just to excuse us, to not actually mm. forgive us, just excuse us. Mm. And, and we can do that with others. And um, I think it's a real key insight from C.S. Lewis, and, and I just want to, you know, pick that apart a little bit. Um, you know, how often we say, you know, we can make excuses for ourselves and our behavior, you know, like, well, you really shouldn't be mad at me because I was having a bad day. So that's Justify my ourselves. yeah, that's my excuse. So you should excuse me on those grounds because I have an excuse. Or we could ask others or even God to just simply overlook something to say, yeah, I know it was bad, but but just excuse it and move on. You know, just oh, they're there. Yeah, I don't want to make a big scene about this. They're there. I I, I don't want to hold a grudge. So I'll just I'll just choke down my pride and and suffer this pain, and I guess we'll just move on, you're excused. Well, that doesn't get to the real kind of roots and the core of what forgiveness ought to look like. Mm. Um, just merely excusing something to brush it aside because you yourself as the transgressor, ha transgressor has excuses or you're just asking someone to brush it aside and move on, that doesn't actually acknowledge maybe the division, the wound, and the hurt. Mm. Um, and therefore, it actually doesn't provide any sense of healing. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, there's there's not actually a a, a real restitution or a, a real rejuvenating sense of life to the relationship if we just merely excuse it and brush it aside. But to really seek forgiveness, C.S. Lewis points out that that, that is going to hurt, and it's going to cost something to extend mercy to say, Yes, there was a deep offense given. And yes, even in the, in the full acknowledgement of that offense, I forgive you. Mm. Um, that's actually what we're supposed to be doing when we pray the Our Father. You know, uh, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Mm -hmm. um, if we really understand that Jesus has canceled out the penalty of human sin, um, and, and that cost him so dearly on the wood of the cross. How much more deeply, if, or if we're going to be a true Christian people, 
ought to we ought we enter into deep and meaning senses of forgiveness, especially with our family members when we're in this Advent season and we're preparing for the coming holidays? Yeah, here's the devil's advocate thing, Father Shane. You like pushing back sometimes. What do you got? So often, you you know the tension that you're stepping into a family gathering with. Mm-hmm. Like you know the backstory. You know the f- certain family members who will, you know, oh, like eventually this one's going to talk about politics. This one's going to talk about religion. This one's going to kind of get get upset and offended about this. This one's going to be quiet and kind of, you know, give you the cold shoulder. It's like all these things. You have these kind of expectations or um, you have lived experience of what happened in the past. So I've just noticed so much with friends in my own life. There's a fear that like that one family member, these family members are going to blow up. So like mm-hmm. we just have to sort of like just keep pretending that it's okay. And even in the moments where there needs to be like space for forgiveness, there's not the space because it's like, well, we don't just want this to blow up into this big, you know, knockdown drag out conversation that might eventually end up in forgiveness. Um, so I think that's what holds a lot of people back. But as I say this, I think what's helpful is um, to keep short accounts. My friend once, you know, said that in seminary where in friendship and in family life, what becomes so difficult is when like a 10 year grudge is being held. It's so hard to forgive that because so much has happened back and forth, back and forth. You did this to me. I did this to you. You did this to me. You always do this to me. So I always do this to you back and forth. However, to start maybe even in our own like homes where we live with the people in front of us to start by trying to forgive the little things quickly Mm -hmm. and not to let them just build and build and build and build and build and build until eventually it's a big blow up. Um, so, but so often we just want to push the little things down. Oh, it's fine. It's Mm -hmm. fine. It's fine. It's fine. And excuse ourselves or excuse others instead of kind of even leading into those little pricks of mercy in our life, in our daily life. We think of the big giant forgiveness that needs to happen between siblings or parents or between spouses or between friendships or extended family members. But I think we often miss, I know I miss the daily or the weekly or the monthly little moments for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And it's those little daily, weekly, monthly ones that build up to be a decades long hurt or mm-hmm. grudge. That's a lot harder to forgive than something small. Um, that was kind of proposed to me by my fraternity group in the seminary. Um, yeah, we, tr- we decided to do the dumb thing that no other Yezer Caritas groups did and was travel like three times together over fall break. Mm-hmm. And it's like you travel with people and lots of vulnerabilities come up. Mm-hmm. You come back together into like your, your, you know, your mother, your father, your grandmother's house, lots of things come up, right? Mm-hmm. But one of the guys kind of, he pressed us and the second year we did it. He said, all right, if things annoy you, it's like call it out. And if you've realized that you've hurt somebody, ask for forgiveness. You know, it's kind of mm-hmm. like do that sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with you entirely to kind of keep accounts short so that we don't have this running list of grudges and things that um, someone might try and hold over you or that just fester with inside of you. But also you had mentioned earlier that, you know, when it it comes to dealing with family members at the holidays and there could be the potential for this big blow up, well, you don't have to be uh, prevented from offering forgiveness even if someone doesn't want to receive it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, you can still offer forgiveness um, and find your own healing. And you don't have to walk up to them in the middle of, like, the family dinner and say, yeah, I know you're putting the mashed potatoes on your... Hear ye, hear ye. Yeah, I know you're putting the mashed potatoes on right now on your plate, but I just want to take this opportunity to tell you (laughs) that I have forgiven you. Yeah. Okay, you don't have to do that. Thank you. Kiss him on the cheek. Right. Um, Yeah, you know, and if you just realize that I have forgiven somebody and I have moved on... 
Um, and they might not be in a position to receive that well, especially in that context. Um, they, you know, they, if they don't, if they are going to blow up because they can't receive your forgiveness, or they think that they are so wronged themselves that you should not be forgiving them, rather you should be um, seeking their forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, if that if that disagreement is is just going to kind of ruin the family holiday. That doesn't mean in your own heart that you can't uh, extend, you know, forgiveness in your own prayer um, to seek healing, even if you know that that's not going to be reciprocated, uh, even if you know it's not going to be well received, right? Bishop Herman, does he still live at the seminary? No, he's okay. living at the Regina Clary um, Priest Retirement. Retirement Center. Yes, beautiful, wonderful uh, Bishop Emeritus of St. Louis, Auxiliary Bishop Emeritus. Yeah, yep. he gave this talk and made a CD of it. And has handed it out for like 20 years called the unilateral forgiveness. And he constantly refers back to it and talks about it and offers it to people. Right. Mm-hmm. He, um, he's very involved in the charismatic renewal, very involved in healing ministry. What he'd always, he'd make that exact point, but just kind of putting a finger on it a little bit more. He would always say that it's the Holy spirit's power that can bring about that healing. Even if there's not that mutual kind of possibility of actually saying face to face, he'd say, through the power of the Holy Spirit, this unilateral, one-directional forgiveness to say, in the name of Jesus, like in your prayer, in the name of Jesus, I forgive this person. Right? Mm-hmm. That releases so much of the kind of bondage of of sin and a lack of forgiveness. Right? Um, we're yeah, we're we're freed to mm-hmm. to allow the Lord to do that good work in them. So mm-hmm. that maybe that's a proposal, right? If the if the real conversation can happen, wonderful. If the short accounts can be kept, beautiful. But if it needs to just be this moment of prayer to allow the grace of God to break through mm-hmm. into your own heart and then to break through into theirs, in the name of Jesus, I forgive this person, mm-hmm. then praise be God, because that can bring about so much more um, peace than the tension we normally carry around. Right. That's a great insight. And that you, that unilateral one-direction forgiveness that is offered first, that could be a starting point to the deeper conversation for mutual dialogue, mutual exchanges of forgiveness, mutual you know, uh, discussions about restoring the relationship or, or healing that relationship mm-hmm. together could be a great starting point. Good insights, Father. So to all of our listeners, um, you know, as these holidays, you know, uh, continue in this season, and as we make Advent a real season of forgiveness, start with that in your own heart. God bless everybody. Take care. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless. God bless.